0: I'm Tommy Costello. If you want to reach your full potential, you must have had your heart and soul tested. What I've noticed is those who have had their hearts tested are the ones who go places people cannot even envision. I'm here to help you with that. The Costello Coaching Podcast with Tommy Costello. I'm here with a great friend, a great mentor of mine, Jack Wilson. Jack Wilson is a unique individual that has had the capability to shape and impact so many lives. One as a player and a standout, all-star MLB player, but also as a coach and a father and a husband. We're going to dive deep into what it means to perform in all aspects of your life and what it takes to be that kind of person for others. We're going to touch on his faith. We're going to touch on his playing career, what it's like to be a coach, what it's like to be a coach of your son. I'm so excited to share this conversation with Jack today. There's so many great things you can learn from this. Let's just jump right in. So Jack Wilson, and so, excited to have you.
1: Yeah, man. Happy to be here.
0: I'm interested in what makes Jack Wilson. What is it that makes this guy go? I never had a
1: year... That I played baseball where I wasn't a great hitter until I made it to the big leagues. In my entire life, I've always hit at every level I went to and hit high. So that off season, I said, "All right, no more this being okay," because I was really set in the fact that as long as I play defense, you're good. I can go one for four and I'm fine. If I went one for four in Double A, I'd tell Julie, "Hey." I'll get a ride home because I'm going to hit in the cage for another hour because I can't believe I just got out three times. It's just that thought process in me. Yeah. Like a one for four was like, oh my gosh. It's like my brother. What just happened? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, An o oh for four. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. Tear the house down. I mean, I got Julie flipping me freaking yeah. <laughs> wiffle balls to a blanket in our apartment in like a ball. Really? Absolutely. <laughs> no, no joke. No joke. Um, I could not go to sleep unless yeah. I fixed the problem. And no the bottom line is no offers and one first were not allowed. I'm yeah. getting two every day, but that was the thought process. So like, even when I hit three four, I'm like, gosh, dang, I was, I should have hit 350 that year. I should have wow. hit 360. And that was always my thought process. Cause I was always a hitter for three years. I was just like, okay, I made my focus about defense. Even in the off season, I didn't hit as much. I focused on defense. Cause I, I knew Hitting can come and go, but if I'm a lockdown defender, I can stay here for a long time. I've seen guys that even if they don't become great hitters, they can be backup players and be backup defensive guys and play this a long time. If I want to be a big leaguer for a long time, if I really focus on defense, I could be for 10, 15 years. If I just locked down defense and I literally threw hitting to the back burner. And right as I got to the big leagues, I was just starting to get good at defense. Mm. I was athletic, but it was really like all over the place. Then as I got to big league coaching and played around other the big leaders and watched these guys do their thing, I got better at defense in the big leagues than even though I was in the minor leagues. So in 2003, I'm like, okay, enough's enough. This whole 250 thing is I'm okay with it right now and I shouldn't be mm. because I know I've made this decision to go defensive. But So that offseason, I literally kind of moved back offensively and said, all right, fine. I'm going
0: to figure out. Do more hitting and stuff like that. Your language is so interesting to me because I tell my guys this all the time when I coach them, you very rarely rise to your goals. So say you set the goal of hitting 350. Right. But very often you fall to your standards. Right. Yeah. So like your standard in the very beginning was, hey, if I play defense, I'm good. Right. You didn't identify as a 250 hitter. You identified as a 350 hitter your whole life. Right. Right. But when you flipped your standard, all of a sudden the numbers followed your standard. Right. Exactly. So when I ask you about 2004, 2005, you explain 2001 through 2003. And what you're going to tell me now is you just flipped your standard. Did. Absolutely. And then you become a silver slugger, an all-star. I expected more of myself. Premier guy. Yeah. This is such a cool thing. I want to hammer home on this because this is a huge identity flip. You went from conserving yourself as a big leaguer. Hey, I'm here. I didn't really expect myself to be here. They're telling me I need to work on my defense. I'm here for my defense. I'm going to play defense really well. It's okay if I don't hit that great. Maybe I can hang on for eight years, make some money, and I'll be good. right? And then you're like, dude, that's not who I am. Yeah. And you go, let's be an all-star. Let's be a silver slugger. Let's be as great as I can be at this. And I'm sure you didn't write down Silver Slugger or anything, but (laughs) you just changed your standard. Yeah. You changed your standard. You're like, no, I'm a great hitter. And then what was 2004 and 2005 at the plate for you?
1: Yeah, it was great. From the get-go, I went over 1 in my first at-bat in 2004. Then I got a hit in my second at-bat. And so my first at-bat was the only at-bat that I was under 300 the entire season. At that point, when I went for 2 and went from hitting 0 to 500, I never did below 300 the entire year. And I had a really crazy, I mean, I was hitting like 390 after the second month of the season. And like people were taking bets on like how far I was going to fall. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, no, like he's a career 250 hitter. Yeah. And they don't it's ever look at the minor league stuff. Yeah. They don't look at anything before that. So I use that as fuel.
0: You haven't been coaching for a long time. You just finished playing. Right. And you've already tallied up crazy. Coaching statistics, they far outweigh your playing statistics and your playing was great. But I think it's because of your ability to care about the individual, care about the human and know that, look, regardless that he's my son or he's not, I'm dad, I'm coach, whatever the dynamics are, it's no surprise to me what the results are because you're just so in tune with the emotions of the human. Mm. And I think that's why so many players respect you, love you, care about you, you care about them. Because it's not about you. It's your humility. It's about them. And it's like, how can I best serve them? What does this human need right now? Oh, he needs to come eat some pizza and play Xbox. Right. Right. It didn't
1: start that way. When I first started coaching, it was more of that expectation, more like talk to you right afterwards. So you learned it. I had to. I started in travel ball, 11U, 12U, 13, 14, and then started at the high school level. And I looked at it like a player. The best players that you see on TV are open to learning new things and learning from other people. I made it a goal, okay, this is just like playing. I have to learn from other coaches. I have to listen to them. I got to find other coaches that become mentors and figure out how I can best serve people. My first two years in high school, it wasn't that way. We were successful, but I was more like, all the time. I'd raise my voice and I was like, gosh, dang, these kids don't get it. And I was like, wait a second, wait my problem is that I'm asking them to make adjustments, but maybe I have to make the adjustments for them. Maybe I should try something different. My son, Jacob ends up getting a scholarship to GCU Yeah. when I did my first meeting. I said, if you don't believe in divine intervention, listen to this. Wow. I am here coaching at Grand Canyon University because I changed the music I listened to in 2004. That is the only reason I'm standing in front of you today. That's probably the only reason that Jacob is here. Wow is because I changed my music. That ripple effect of getting baptized and making a life change in simply the music that I listened to led us to the path we are at today. Wow. I said, I am supposed to be here. Jacob was always supposed to be here. I just needed to make a single change that he needed me to make and wanted me to make to get to this point. So Jacob gets this offer. He's just about to start his sophomore year in high school. Yeah. All of the players that you named and the schools they went to, they were all on the same team. Big yep. time schools, big yep. time players. They deserve to go to those types of schools. And he gets this offer and he's overwhelmed. He wants the big school just like everybody else. And I'm going like, bro, this is a good spot. You got to trust me on this. This is going to be a good spot. No one heard of Grand Canyon University 10 years ago. Yep. I'm like, I feel like they're going in that same direction. I feel like this is a good spot for you to be a freshman and have an impact promise you. And you just get to the point where you're just like, all right, this is obvious what you want me to do and what you want me to be. And oh, he made a decision. It was over. He understood that stuff is not coincidence. Let them be kids. It's really about positivity. Development is pouring positivity into them. The expectations, just because your kid's good, you have to understand they are going to get out. They are going to have bad games. And they need that ride in the car to be just super positive. From a kid playing from 6U all the way through high school, the ride in the car after the game is going to be the most influential time in their life with that sport. With their parents and the conversations that happen in that car can ruin a sport for a kid or it could take off. And the ability for parents to sympathize. Mm -hmm. and understand that this is the hardest game to play in the world, the hardest place to succeed at. And honestly, I I had to learn that too because especially when your player has talent, then you want to push them because you see greatness in them. You can see potential. So I just think potential will grow. Instead of being forced, being massaged and being positive, I think it goes through the roof. So much. I think by being forced, I cannot believe you went 0 for 3 today. I cannot believe you struck out against that kid. I think the development flatlines. It still might go because then you might have the kid be like, "Do my old man sucks. I don't care what he thinks. I'm going to go out and play ball.
0: But then you have a poor father-son exactly. relationship and that lasts for a e- lifetime. Exactly, Something's going to need to be fixed there anyways. Right.
1: And it's so hard to bite your tongue as that dad when you know your kid is way better than what he put out that day. Yeah. And that he stayed up all night playing Xbox the night before. And you're just like, what are we doing? You have this opportunity. I'm like, well, keep that in perspective, mm-hmm. you know, as far as what age they are and what they're doing. That's a lot tougher than it is just to say I, yeah. I will it's not if you can do that I think it benefits the kids development by a huge amount mm-hmm. if you can just go into the trees and yell at the top of your lungs because you're frustrated your kid went 0 for 3 and then get in the car and get it out of the way and be like hey bud I'm really proud of you how you handled yourself today it wasn't a tough game but you were a great teammate you played really good defense it didn't work out your way but you know what we can get in the cage and we can do whatever you want I think the biggest thing that Change with Jacob is on I relationship as father coach is when I looked at him and I said, I'm never going to ask you to hit, to take ground balls or hit ever again. Mm-hmm. This was sophomore year of high school. Like sometimes you'd be like, come on, dude, we gotta, it was a tough day today. We need to go swing it out because that's what I did. That's necessarily means that's what he needs to do, but that's just what I did. And it worked for me. It didn't work for him. So I said, listen, I will throw you BP and hit your ground balls every single time you ask me, but I'm never going to ask you to go out and do it. You just be you. And from then on that changed because then he seeked me out and that showed me that he wanted to get better. Mm-hmm. So if time went by where he didn't ask me to go out and then he didn't play well or didn't hit well and then he'd come to me and be like, all right, I didn't remind him, oh, the last two weeks, where were you? Now you're hitting 200 now. Where were you the last two weeks? Yeah. I'd be like, all right, let's go. Let's get back to work. I got some stuff for you. And that's when our relationship changed and went through the roof is when I started just allowing him to want it more than I did. Yeah. And that's the hard part is the parents end up wanting it, and honestly, the kid wants it, but he's not old enough to understand it yet. He's not mature enough to understand what possible ramifications.
0: He's just, he's just really good at baseball and just loves he just playing wants baseball. To play baseball, dude. He just
1: wants to play baseball and have
0: his parents. And maybe stands. he wants to play flag football, and maybe he wants to play basketball. Yeah. I honestly,
1: I've sat in stands in college games. I've talked to national team parents that are the exact same way. Yeah. And those kids are the best. They're D1 athletes and they're the best in the world sometimes of what they do and they are heart like that on their kids. So it's not just, it's it not. It goes across the board. It goes across the board. And it's just like one of those things that development wise is if you can develop them mentally and emotionally, it's going to completely jumpstart their physicality on what they can do. Huge throughout the roof. Because as soon as that kid says, no, this, these guys love me no matter what I do. Then they don't, they don't ever freedom. worry about, man, if I strike out right now, I'm going to yell that in the car. I know. Oh, my gosh, if I don't drive in this run, I'm going to hear it later. That's not playing baseball. That's playing scared, and it's no longer
0: fun. On the next episode of the Costello Coaching Podcast with Tommy Costello. Alex Bachman comes from Westlake, California, grew up with a great family, and he found a way to go out and achieve his dream even though he had so many hurdles that most people wouldn't even know how to attack.
2: We played Notre Dame week nine of the year, week nine, week 10, number two team in the country, number two or three defense in the entire country. Hadn't let anyone score more than 20 points. Mm. And we were off 38 points on them. The kid in front of me gets a stinger on like the opening kickoff return. And my number gets called and I hadn't really played since game one. And up until that point, I'm just going to say it, but I was sneaking into the building every single night to get films from practice, whatever, so that I could set something up so that I could bounce. Yeah, so you right? could transfer. Because it was going week after week. Where you weren't getting an opportunity. wasn't getting an opportunity, but I was balling out in practice. I was controlling my controllables, creating your own opportunities. Yep. And so, then that moment comes calling, and I get one opportunity to play against one of the top teams in the country, and I hadn't played at all against that talent in a long time. So like, most people, their confidence would be no because of my preparation. I built that confidence up in myself that I was ready for that moment. Yep. And so balls just kept coming my way. And I can't even explain some of the plays I was making. I looked up in the sky and it was just like, I saw God's Against face. Against Notre Dame? Yeah, yeah. I saw God's face. It was wet. It was rainy, cold. Not the greatest circumstances for a receiver. I mean, everything was sticking low ball, high ball, two guys on me jumping up. And I went for like 120 yards on national television. And it was like, holy cow, where did this get come from?
0: Thanks for listening to the Costello Coaching Podcast with Tommy Costello. Please follow, subscribe, and if you can, review any and all episodes wherever you listen to podcasts.